Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast. We are live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios. We are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Network, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review the podcast. And all live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. I'm Porter Hayes. Alongside me is Jacob Davis. And our broadcast is brought to you by Bet Online. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, players' news, game trends at Bet Online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So head on over to betonline.ag to... Hold on. I lost my place on that, and we've been reading this thing for six years. Oh, head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts, and that, that shows you this is live. You know, when, no edits when we go live, but we want to <laughs> <laughs> welcome in Jake Crane. He, uh, we've had him on ever since the Believe days. Now he's moved up to Crane and Company. Uh, Jake, man, how, how's things going? Uh, recently got married, so congratulations on that. And t- tell us how, how the married life's going. Well, guys, number one, uh, it's it's great to join you. Obviously, I have a ton of respect for what y'all do and, and believe in, in everybody, Eric Weinberger and Braun and, and all them that, that have put together such quality, uh, you know, programs like you guys. Uh, man, it's fantastic. Uh, I don't know the way to put it. Um, it's, it's been a great marriage, and that's before the marriage. It actually involves me and another woman. Uh, man, if, if you like sports the way it used to be uh, when you can tune into sports, and it was common sense when it came to win politics and sports touch, but just really old-school sports in general, check us out, Crane & Company on YouTube. It's C-R-A-I-N, not spelled like the bird, but we are super fly. But uh, when it comes down to, to the marriage part, man, it's, it's great. Um, it's, you know, I've given a lot of people things in my life, um, some good, some bad. But uh, it's, it's amazing when you give somebody your last name. And I look, as a special teams coach, it's the first time in my life. I'm glad I outkicked my coverage. Uh, and and I, I definitely did that. We've been married for about four weeks now. So the over's already hit. Like, we're, we're playing with house money. But uh, in all reality, she just cooked me a fantastic dinner. She's a, a great cook. Now she, now, she is from Tuscaloosa, okay? She is now a Whoa. So I, I know, and I'm oh. from Auburn, and oh. I'm an Auburn fan. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's a Taylor Swift song out here, guys. But at the end of the day, I love her, and she loves me. It's uh, been great. But y'all have not shared the first Iron Bowl together as a married couple. So Not as a married couple. Is that, that's not a problem. But as an engaged couple, and then as a dating couple, and I'm over right now. I'm I'm over right. I need I need dear Hugh Freeze. Hold on, let me write it down. Dear Hugh, please God, can we win one so I can be on the other side of this? Now, I was there. I was there when she turned into Emily Rose and disappeared in a room eating spiders when they lost to Texas A&M. All right, I was there for that. But just I need it. We're all a fan of somebody, right? We're all a fan of somebody. I don't let it, it you know. Uh, involving in any bias or any type of you know when it comes to analysis because i did it for nine and a half years but at the end of the day it's going to be nice to be on the other side and we absolutely blew it absolutely blew it with bryce young in the last game so i'm hoping you can turn it around i know how you feel i had my uh, niece's husband from south carolina and i had to endure the first time that South Carolina beats Clemson in eight years, and his boy was sitting there. And, you know, it was proud that I said that, you know, your son can finally see South Carolina beat Clemson, and the kid, he was seven years old. So, I mean, best of, you know, you got to give the kids some joy. You got you got to just at, take one for the team. And I get it if it's South Carolina, but at the end of the day, they've got everything. They've got, it's like on Step Brothers when, when <laughs> Dylan gets Hulk hands and oh boy gets the rawhide wallet. I don't want the rawhide wallet anymore. Uh, for one time, can I get Hulk hands, guys? That's all I'm asking. Well, this could be the year to do it. I, look, Speaking of I, rivalries, though. Yeah, you, you get Georgia and Bama at home. I'm telling you right now, though, I, I called for Hugh Freeze for three years. They hired Brian Harson. I, I will always give coaches the benefit of the doubt. I will always do that. I was in the business. I understand how hard it is. But at the end of the day, this is the guy that can actually do it because he understands how it works. 
He's super involved in recruiting, and he's been there and done that before. If you can beat Bama with Bo Wallace, I, I think you could find the golden ticket to Wonka's factory. You could basically be Indiana Jones. I mean, I, I don't know, uh, don't know another way to put it. Well, speaking of, you know, other SEC teams, this is an Arkansas podcast, and we haven't even talked about the Razorbacks yet. So, how do you think, what do you see in the Razorbacks this fall? Do you think they beat Missouri? Do you think they take the uh, boot back from LSU? Do you think they end Alabama's 17-game supremacy in this this, uh, rivalry, uh, one-sided affair? Do you think Arkansas breaks through in the SEC this season? Well, I, I, I mean, I would ask you, what do you define as breaking through? I mean, are, are we talking about nine wins? Are, are we talking about winning the SEC West? I, I think we have to define what breaking through is. Now, when I look at this Arkansas team, obviously you got to marry the schedule with the personnel and the depth, right? You look offensively. You bring in Dan Enos. Kendall Bryles is gone now. What does that mean for K.J. Jefferson? What's been the biggest problem for Arkansas offensively? It's not the scheme. It's K.J. staying healthy. When K.J. Jefferson is healthy, he's one of the best weapons in college football that there is from a run game standpoint, from a pass game standpoint. He's, he's got feel. Yeah, he's got a big arm. But when it comes down to having Rocket Sanders in the backfield with an offensive line that you feel good about, are you going to line up in 12 personnel and turn into a play-action team? Are you going to line up in 11 personnel and continue to be an RPO team and run K.J. Jefferson? Or are you going to try and marry the two? I think that's the biggest question. You look at what Dan did at Maryland. Obviously, with a quarterback that could run, uh, I'm very interested to see kind of that the marrying of what Sam Pittman wants to do, which, make no mistake, all offensive line coaches want to be run-first, play-action team. That, that, that's what they want to do. That's who they are. That's in their DNA. But when you have a weapon X like K.J. Jefferson – you got to find the balance between running him enough and running him too much. I think that's a big question, especially when you get to the red zone. Then you look defensively. You return a couple guys, all SEC guys, but you gave up so much in the pass game. And then third down. This year for Arkansas will come down to how they perform on third down. I know that's not some, you know, Pythagorean theorem or Isaac Newton, you know, formula that I came up with, but you gave up 45% of the third down conversions last year, that's not going to win against anybody, especially when you're giving up 30 points a game. I'm shocked Arkansas could win the games that they've won. But when I look at this team and I look at the progression, you look at the road games, you look at the home games. I do think Arkansas this year, if they catch a couple breaks, which you have to have, I don't care who you play for, could be a very sneaky team. Uh, But but as much as we talk about the offense, as much as we talk about Dan Enos coming over, I think more of it has to do with the defense. Because if you're going to give up 30 a game, you have no chance of winning nine games in this league. So I think that's the biggest question. And one of the big deals there is Travis Williams coming over from UCF as defensive coordinator. Huge. Yeah. Huge. You, you, do you know him. I mean, he's an Auburn guy. He's from, uh, he's from uh, South Carolina, I believe. I think he played there. Uh, or not played there. He's from there, but he played at yeah. Auburn. What do you think his impact is uh, for Arkansas, plus having Marcus Woodson in there with him? Well, I mean, we know we know who tra- – as a young guy, if you're going to rank young D.C.s, Travis Williams is way up there. Uh, again, he's an Auburn guy. Uh, I feel like I've watched him his whole career. He was part of a, the, uh, you know, a team in Auburn in 2004 that's one of the most legendary teams, and he was one of the leaders on it. Aggressiveness is the best way I would put it. At the end of the day, Travis is not going to let you dictate how he yeah, not only calls plays, but how he games, game plans. He is going to bring it to you to a point where you have to adjust. And that and it's not being crazy. It's not saying blitzing on every down. But, it, we, we, you know, you hear people call it setting the tone, right? Or, or I'm going to make you adjust to the adjustment. Travis Williams is going to find out whether you have a quarterback that can sit in the pocket, whether if you want to line up and try and play bully ball, he's going to have run stunts, which I, he doesn't rely on them to the point where you can get hit big because just like a blitz, you can get hit big on a run stunt. But Travis is aggressive, and players respond to that. Defensive guys. I coached defense for nine and a half years. I was a defense coordinator for three of them. At the end of the day, defensive players want to be aggressive, but it's being able to have that controlled aggression. I think Travis has that. He's been through the worst. He's learned from mistakes. He's learned from triumphs as well. Now, does that mean he's going to be perfect? 
No. But Arkansas will not be afraid of anybody they play from a game plan standpoint. They won't be afraid to heat up anybody. What it's going to come down to is how good is Arkansas in man coverage, right? If you're going to blitz, if you're going to be aggressive, and you're going to rob Peter to pay Paul, at some point you got to be good in man-on-man coverage, whether that's man-free, cover one, whether that's playing zero and bringing the house, I mean, whether that's playing two-man on third down, whether that's bringing a fire zone out of a cover three zone, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. But the thing I like about Travis is he can recruit number one. I think you guys have already seen that. When he walks into a room, he's you know glowing, I guess is the best way to put it. But from a game plan and then a play-calling standpoint, he is going to make you make a decision quickly. And at the end of the day, it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. But eventually, you're, what you're going to see this year from Arkansas guys defensively you're going to see more pick sixes than you've seen. You're going to see more turnovers sports than you've seen. The question is, just like if you work for State Farm or Blue Cross Blue Shield, how good is that insurance in the back end? If I'm going to bring it, you guys got to handle it in the back end, and that's going to be the biggest question. And the biggest thing, too, is, you know, what's the pros and cons of, you know, defense is the biggest question of this team this year, and you're bringing in a brand-new defensive coordinator. I mean – what what are the pros and cons of a guy really wanting to come in and, and, you know, make a name for himself, chip on his shoulder and take over his own team, but yet you've got kind of this mold that you've got to put together and make it a defense? Well, it, look, it, whenever you have a new coach coming in, and obviously it's different coordinators to head coaches, I, I think the element of surprise is a big thing we don't talk about enough in college football. I mean, how many times, whether it's a coordinator, whether it's a head coach, we always harp on the bad times, right? Oh, Mich- uh, Michigan brought in this guy as a coordinator. It didn't work out. They had to fire him. But we don't talk about the good times, right, because it's expected. The element of surprise is something in college football because it's one th- that, that people underestimate because it's one thing to have a scouting report. Made a ton of them in my career. It's one thing to look at that scouting report and say, this is what we think we're going to get. These are the tendencies. They love this in third and six or more. They love this in third and five or less. And it's another thing to call the game against that person. Some guys are better, just like players, right? Some players are better in practice than they are in the game and vice versa. Some coaches are better game planners than they are play callers during the game and vice versa. I think with Travis, what you're going to get is that aggressiveness early, right, is going to cause problems for other teams. It always comes down in coaching, just like in playing, right, in any sport. What's your adjustment to the adjustment? What do I mean by that? How many times have we seen new offensive coordinators come into a league or new head coaches that are offensive-minded or defensive-minded instill what they're doing and have a great first year? Like, I don't know, Mel Tucker, Gene Chizik? You want me to go down the list? And then all of a sudden, people adjust to them and then they have to adjust. Major League Baseball is the best example there is. How many times, I know you guys follow baseball, how many times has a young rookie come up as a Major League pitcher and had a great first two or three starts? Fan base is thinking, man, this guy is a Hall of Famer. Like, we hit on this guy. Then all of a sudden, that book comes out on him about game three or game four, and game five through eight, they get shelled. And then you find out, how do you adjust to the adjustment? That's what coaching is about. And I think Travis has enough experience to where once teams say, all right, listen, this guy's bringing the juice. We have to try and take advantage of it in some ways. I think he is smart enough now or has the experience now is a better way to put it to be able to adjust. So when it comes down to getting guys to play hard, Travis Williams is a great motivator. I can tell you that. But that gets you to it's like effort for a player, right? Effort. I shouldn't tell you great effort. Great effort should get you through the door. Well, motivation as a coach at this level, I should expect that. Your players should be ready to go kick somebody's ass. But at the end of the day, you got to be schematically sound enough to, to, to say, whoa, at some point. And you see a lot of that, guys, at about game four through seven. That's when you're going to know with Travis Williams, I think, at Arkansas. Yeah, and one of the things that Arkansas struggled with was when Barry Odom's defense, the rush three, drop eight, was figured out. Like, he, he set the blueprint for uh, how to stop Mississippi State and the air raid. 
And then after, I mean, he did that. He employed it against Ole Miss with Matt Corral, equaled six picks, uh, six picks, and then a couple of uh, uh, pick sixes. Um, but you know, now you—that's the thing. Like you had to, like you said, I think that's a. To me, that's something that Arkansas fans can relate to is understanding. Okay, they figured us out, and now now Travis Williams is going to have to come into a league where this is a whole lot different. This is this is different than playing the UConns and all the other AAC teams out there. You're playing big boy football now. Is yeah, yeah. It's going to well, be different. It, yeah, well, again, tra- tra- Travis was born in this league. Like right. Travis played in this league. Travis coached in this league at Auburn. He's not going to be surprised by right. anything that he sees. I, I think it's actually a positive attribute with Travis Williams. Um, and I know looking at him as, as a young guy, right? Like, like we hear, oh, he's a young guy. It's going to take time. College football, from a coaching standpoint, is being young. taken over by young guys. If you see the shift with social media and, and other aspects. But when, when it comes down to Barry Odom, I want to say this. I thought Barry Odom did a phenomenal job with the chips that he had on the table, right? It's, it's, it's like kind of a general at some point when you're playing rush three, drop eight, that's a retreat defense. That's what right. it is. I'm, I'm retreating to get back to a position where I'm going to make you earn every inch. Right. And I'm not comparing football. I'm, I'm trying to compare football to war, but at some point as a general, you have to say, listen, we have to retreat to get back to a defensive position where we have a chance to be able to eventually counterattack. So I understand what Barry did. Now, I, I thought he did more with less than a lot of people. But I don't think Arkansas is in that position anymore, especially when you look at the transfer portal, some of the guys they have on the edge, what they're returning. I know you lose Bumper Pool, which outside of being the greatest name in college football, dude was a hell of a player. Like, I like Chris Paul Jr. and some of these other guys. Uh, I feel bad that his dad's about to get traded to the Wizards, but other than that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, but, 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 like, I, I don't want this to be a, oh, Barry Odom didn't know what he was doing. What Sam no. Pittman took over, and you guys know this, I'm preaching the choir, your fans know this, what he took over was a disaster. He was basically the human form of a FEMA trailer after a hurricane just went through a low-lying place. So I thought Barry did the most with – he made the smart play, right? He made he, – I, I really think he made the smart play. But now that you have these chips and these pieces, you can rebuild not only schematically what Arkansas is doing defensively, but from a mindset standpoint. Guys, we're not, we're not fighting uphill anymore. We're even. We have cats that can run with their cats. Now we're going to let you go. We built this thing up. It's like the roller coaster going up, right? Click, 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 click. Then you get to that top of the hill, and then it's we're going down, baby, in a good way, not in a bad way. We're going to have some fun now. So I think there's some pieces in place where Travis can move them around. What I don't want to get locked in is this young coach argument. Oh, he, you know, he doesn't know what he's in for. Look, if he was a guy that that was from somewhere else, right, and he had been somewhere else as a young guy, that's one thing. Travis Williams was baptized in the waters of the SEC. He knows what he's getting into. Yeah. Well, we had SEC Mike on last week, and I want to ask you the same thing, but in a different aspect. We're talking about, you know, the defense and, and the offense, but how critical is it this year for Arkansas? And we'll segue into our next topic of, you know, the new SEC with no divisions, OU Texas coming to the league. I mean, how critical is this year for Arkansas to get ahead of the curve, have success this year, and build on it moving into this new no division? And no telling who your teams are going to be from year to year. Yeah, there's a couple things there. Number one, you guys know this. When you're at a place like Arkansas, every year is critical. Like, I don't care if there's divisions or there's no divisions or it's half division or it's fraction or addition or subtraction. It doesn't matter. Every year is critical because the standard at Arkansas is so high and it should be high. You should want that standard high. And – When you look at at Texas and Oklahoma coming in, see, the trick is not, and and you hear Nick Saban talk about this, you hear the Grammys talk about this, a a faceless opponent, right? It's it's not about Texas. It's not about Arkansas. It's not about Georgia. It's not about Alabama. It's not about Auburn. It's about Ole Miss. It's about Arkansas. How can Arkansas continue to get better? Because, listen, you're in a league 
where I don't care if you know the schedule or not. It's not easy. There is no easy yeah. schedule in the SEC. But you have to put it to a way, and especially to the players. Like, we can talk about this, and it's great, and it's fun, but, it, but it's about the players. I don't care if we're playing Texas or we're playing Arkansas Pine Bluff. It has nothing to do with them outside of the schematics we'll put in to adjust in the game. It's about us fundamentally. Football is a game of blocking and tackling. But when you get to the point, and this is where every program and every culture wants to get, when you get to the point that the opponent does not matter, there's there's more pressure on yourself to perform. How am I going to block on this play? How am I going to cover on this play? How am I going to run on this play? That's what you want to get to. That's when you turn into a machine. That's the whole goal of all these is to turn it into a machine. Because guess what? You make it through the SEC schedule, congrats, you're in the college football playoff. Here's Ohio State, here's Michigan, here's USC, here's somebody else. So if you turn it into, oh, guys, well, Texas and Oklahoma's in here now, we better start playing good, or we better play good this game, and this game doesn't matter, you're already lost, you're screwed, you're done. It is about Arkansas. It's not about any of these other teams. And if week by week by week you continue to get better, and you're able to hone your team in on understanding that it's about us and the fundamentals translate to the field, we'll give you the scheme. We'll tell you what we want to run on offense and defense and special teams that's going to put you in a position to win the game. But if you don't do the fundamentals, none of that matters. That's Sam Pittman understands that. That's one of the reasons why I respect, uh, respect Sam Pittman so much is because he does understand that. That's the point where Arkansas needs to get to. That's where Coach Pitt's trying to take them. So, look, I, I get it. it. It's fun for us to talk about the rivalries and, and you know, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas. Remember that game from a couple years ago? That's great. But it's not about them. It's not about Bama. It's not about Georgia. It's about the guys in Fayetteville, and will always be that way. Yeah, and, and you think about it, though, like the, the storied rivalries coming in, uh, you, you see the you see the realignment of some of the old Southwest Conference rivalries. The the meaning of it. What do you think Texas is thinking, having to go back to Fayetteville, two years removed, three years removed from an absolute tail whipping? What do you well, think's going well, on in some of those guys' minds? Yeah, well, well, look, in Steve uh, Sark's minds. Yeah, well, Sark knows. Sark's been in it. He's he's right. going to be telling everybody in that program, like, listen, like I know we're Texas. That's great. Fantastic. Awesome. But we are going into the lion's den, right? We were the big dog in the Big 12. We are going into, and and they want to smoke, and I'll give them credit. I'll give Texas credit. Y'all wanted to smoke. When asked to come in and and fight in the arena, y'all said yes. Oklahoma said yes. I will never denigrate a program for wanting to go play in the best league. I'm not going to sit here and do that because it's hypocritical. But and it's not their fault. Texas is, is very arrogant, right? They're the state school, one of the biggest state, states in the union. They have tons of money. They've had success in the past. What I'll say is they're going to be confident coming in. They're going to be overconfident. And if you're smart, you're going to use that against them. And I think Arkansas used it against them a couple of years ago. But, again, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, and you're, those players are going to be hyped up to play in this league, right? Especially early. But the trick about the SEC is not the, the one-off or the two-off. It's not, oh, we played Georgia. We just got to beat Georgia and beat Alabama. The beauty of the SEC is within the grind of the schedule. There are no days off. There are no weeks off. You think going to Ole Miss is easy? Especially if you're Texas? You think going you you think going to Mississippi State's easy? You think going to Kentucky's easy? That that's the beauty of it. It's not who's at the top. That's why I started a monologue on the show the other day at the open about people who say the SEC top heavy, for lack of a better word, are just stupid. The numbers don't add up. And if you've ever been in the league, and Stark's gonna tell them the same thing that I'm telling y'all right now. It is literally a week by week fist fight. You cannot put one ahead of the other. You cannot look behind. You're either moving forward or you're moving off. And the fan base is one thing. My question for Texas is, how locked in is that locker room to think, hey, 
well, we're big, bad Texas. We're just going to walk in here. You couldn't win the Big 12. And I, and I got news for you. This ain't the Big 12, and it never will be. So you got to fight for your life every week. Sark knows that. Let's see if the players respond. And the biggest thing is, you know, coming into this new SEC, a, a lot of other conferences was like, well, I think they should go to a nine-game SEC conference. And I was even a component of it thinking it would – until I seen some of these schedules. And when you look at some of these schedules that a lot of these teams have to play, even in an eight-game, it is an absolute gauntlet. I mean, it yeah. is it, – there's no more – you know, divisions. So you can be playing, I mean, OU, Texas, Texas A&M, LSU, Georgia, back to back to back to back. And I'm telling you right now, if if anybody after seeing these schedules is still making fun of the SEC for not going to a nine-game conference, come join the SEC and try to play eight games with all these teams and mix and matching. Yeah, well, number one, if, if anybody outside of the SEC with the numbers the SEC's put up from championships, NFL draft, I mean, just in general, is making fun of the SEC, that, that's like Sherman Clump calling Margot Robbie fat. I mean, I, I don't take you seriously as a human being. To be honest with you, I don't think you should have a driver's license, but that's a story for another day. Um, but it, my thing is this. I want the non-gaming conference. I, I want that. I think it comes down to a mindset thing, right? You, you heard some schools saying, well, we have 2024 non-conference obligations that we have that we have to live up to, and I get that. I, I totally get that. Getting rid of divisions is the greatest thing that happened in the SEC since I can remember because I want the two best teams in the conference championship. Look at the Big Ten. Look at the Big Ten East and the Big Ten West. I mean, you yep. have Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten East. This has been the two best teams in the Big Ten since I can remember. I mean, but the Big Ten West had to send somebody. Now in the SEC, we're going to get the top two teams. I don't care if it's a rematch or the week before or whatever. That's the goal, right? But to me, first off, anybody that says anything about SEC scheduling, like is there's no math that backs that up. Like that, that is the conspiracy theories of conspiracy theories. I always say, listen, if you get, what's the difference? Let me ask you, what's the difference in between playing Alabama State and Louisiana Monroe? What, what's the difference? 10 points? If it's a 50-point win yeah. or a 40-point win? That, that, that's, where we, that's where we get lost in this conversation when they talk about the Cupcake Week. So my, my fix is this. Okay, if you got a problem with the Cupcake Week, let's do this. Let's add another bye week. Let's add another bye week to the schedule. We've already changed the calendar totally because it's a battle of attrition. But what you're going to see, and, and people say – oh, well, if we go to a nine-game in-conference schedule, then we're not going to get the the LSU and, and Florida, Florida States. Well, Florida State's going to be in the SEC eventually, so that's a mute point. But I would rather have that nine-conference game as a coach, and you got some SEC schools saying, oh, well, we don't want that nine-conference game because we want to get to six and six. Well, I, I got some news for you. If you're hoping to get to six and six, you're in the wrong conference. Because there's only one school that is okay with six and six in this league, and it's the one school we keep in here because they're good at reading and math and science. <laughs> and that's Vanderbilt. Yeah. So I think I think most of what we have is a mindset problem. Give me that nine conference game because when it goes to 12, uh, 12 team playoff, what's the term we hear all the time in college basketball? Bubble team. RPI. Bubble team. Bubble team. What do bubble teams need at the end of the year? You need quality opponents so you can control your own destiny. I don't want to rely on another team having to win or lose. I want it to be on me. At the end of the day, if it's on me and it goes good or it goes bad, I can lay my head down on the pillow at night. But I want a quality team so I can play myself in. I think we have a mindset problem in some schools in the SEC right now. Yeah. Jake, man, we really appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, if you will, tell us where you, can, where you can find all your work, your social media, and everything yeah. else. Guys, I, like I said, I love, I love coming on, talking to you all. You all do a fantastic job. I believe Network's fantastic. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, it's Crane & Company, C-R-A-I-N-N Company. We do a live weekday show. 
excuse me, from 6.30 to 8 a.m. Central, 7.30 to 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, It lives on YouTube forever, so you don't have to catch us live, but we have live call-ins, a live chat with the Daily Wire 2. Go to the Daily Wire Plus. Uh, We don't talk a lot of politics except – you know, men shouldn't be in women's sports, but who doesn't believe that, right? Um, but now, guys, it's always fun. It's going to be a great season, and uh, looking forward to talking to you all soon. Yes, sir, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Hey, enjoy that first year of marriage, my guy. Hey, definitely, man. Look, I'm, I'm getting my rookie year in. I'm, I feel like Sauce Gardner right now. I feel like I'm overperforming. <laughs> we we'll, we'll make sure to interview you to make sure, uh, hey, are you still in the honeymoon stage at the at the end of year one? That's I right. hope you are because I'm still I'm on year eight and still in the honeymoon stage. So it's, well, dude, it's congrats. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm working. You're my Nick Saban. I'm just trying to work up to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Later, Lord. man. See you, Jake. Always, always great to have Jake Crane to come on the show. We've had him on three or four times and – Talk about a guy who's really risen from the ranks of being, you know, had another Believe podcast just like we have, and now he's on with, you know, the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro and having his daily show. So it's always a, always a great time to have him uh, come on. But we're up against a break. After the break, Jacob and I are going to break down our conversation with Jake Crane, and we'll go over some Razorback football. We'll be right back after the break. At Fordham Lee Distillery, our bourbons look as amazing as they taste. A delicious, high rye bourbon aged over six years. Fordham Lee is a company founded on the principles of great folks and spirits worth remembering. Look for Fordham Lee brands at Walk-Ons, Liquor World, Busters, and soon everywhere in Northwest Arkansas that serves fine spirits. Fordham Lee Bourbon says please drink responsibly. 21 means 21. Fordham Lee Distillery, blended and bottled in Middletown, Maryland. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Menner's Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need, whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck. Most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metters Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas, including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our history and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the Law Office of Robertson Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They are located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-932-5121. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? 
Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www.sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. And welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. And great conversation, as always, with Jake. And, you know, it, getting him back in the groove of, you know, he does his national show and really, like he said before we started recording, getting him in his bag, you know, talking SEC and the new look SEC. It's going to be interesting looking at some of these schedules and everything that come out. I mean, you know, what first caught your eye when you really started seeing these schedules and these teams and, Gosh, what did they do to Vanderbilt? I mean, you talk about <laughs> yeah, they, horrible. I mean, Vandy, poor if Vandy. was going to get it, you shouldn't have gave it to Vandy like that. But I really like, I, you know, as always, I'm going to first look at Arkansas' schedule. You look at it, there's four winnable home games and four winnable uh, 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 road games. And you've got Tennessee, Auburn, LSU, and Texas all at home. Four teams that are all up and coming. I, I say Texas, too, because I think Texas is going to be able to come in and compete right away in the SEC. I just think they're built that way. I think they're going to be able to come from the Big 12 to the SEC, kind of like A&M did. A&M le- was legit as when they came into the conference with Johnny Menzel. But, and then you look at the uh, road games. I think you've got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M on the road, and one other school. And I look at that schedule and I'm thinking, you don't have to play Florida, you don't have to play Georgia, and you don't have to play Alabama for the first time since 1992. None of those teams are on the schedule. And I, I honestly, well, I mean, I text my father-in-law, and I tease that dude to death. <laughs> I tell him, man, we're go- we might go 12-0 and 0 with this schedule. And he's like, Jacob, will you quit? <laughs> Stop. <Yeah. laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, really, I really think Arkansas lucked out. I think that is a manageable schedule of any, uh, maybe the most manageable conference schedule they've had, maybe since the 2006, early 2000s, when before Nick Saban came to Alabama. Like, I really think this schedule sets up Arkansas to maybe even compete for a college football playoff spot in the middle of November. I'm not saying they'll make it. I'm not saying they'll be able to, uh, to, to get into the playoff. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, like, this is the best 12-game schedule best case scenario you can get because you're getting two rivals, huge rivals at home. I think Tennessee could be a huge rival moving forward if you end up keeping them. And then obviously you get to keep Mississippi State and Ole Miss on the schedule. I really do like it. I think Arkansas has a chance to do something very special. Uh, As far as Oklahoma goes, Oklahoma is getting – they got beat like the red at a step chop. If, if if Oklahoma wants to take Arkansas's place as a hated new uh, addition in expansion, so be it. I will completely let them have it because, uh, I've, you know, it's been 30, 32. This is the 33rd season Arkansas had in the SEC uh, coming in this year. So I, I'm kind of glad that Arkansas is maybe becoming the favorite child under uh, under Greg, uh, Greg Sankey. Yeah, he, he's finally showed – Arkansas some grace and, and something I pointed out was, was the most and intriguing part of it. You're going to be breaking in a new quarterback next year. You know, yeah. whether, whether whoever gets snaps this year or not, whether it's Criswell or, you know, you're going to be breaking them in and, and you give them a manageable schedule that can boost to make an average quarterback be a great quarterback. You know, you're not going right. in there, throwing them in there like Tyler Wilson and throwing them to the Wolves, you know, and, and coming into yeah. the game. You know, you're bringing them in. And, you know, Texas got a favorable schedule. We Out of the two between Texas and Oklahoma, I think we found out who had the most money. Because I'm telling you, they, <laughs> they did show them some favors on their schedule. Gave them Vandy. Yeah. But I do like the fact that they're like, hey, look, you're going to have to either play OU or Texas every year. That's fine. You know, I'm really excited for, you know, when Arkansas and Oklahoma plays because I'm telling you is being border states, 
they don't play. You know, and so it's going to be, I think, no matter what the team dynamic is, it's going to be nice to see what if that becomes a a, a rivalry game. What You know, because now Oklahoma State's already refused to play OU. What what if Arkansas takes – I'm not going to say it's going to be anything like the Arkansas-Texas game, but it still could bring up one of them things like a – uh, what we call a mini rivalry, kind of like what the Missouri-Arkansas game is. Yeah. You have another border state that you're playing, and and most importantly, they have a new coach. We don't know what he's, Venables is going to do to you. So they're both going to be kind of limping into the SEC a little bit, and what better way to take advantage of that is to come in there and show them, hey, look, we had to grind it in the SEC for 30 years, and we're still looked upon as this middle-of-the-pack team in the conference we're, we're gonna be the one that does the beating now yeah and, and you think about like like arkansas has got to play oklahoma state in, uh, in 2024 too like that's their uh, big uh, power five team that they had to play they had to travel to oklahoma state so you know you get a favorable sec schedule you get a uh, a team that's been like at the top of the big 12 for the better half of the last 20 years like like uh, Coach Gundy's just had them competitive, and they have. If Arkansas never existed, I'd be a huge fan of Oklahoma State. I just, I just love the, I love the Cowboys. I grew up uh, uh, in Spyro, Oklahoma. A lot of people don't don't really know that about me. And one of my buddies hated OU, and I hated OU too because he hated OU. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember thinking, you know, man, Josh is a really cool guy. Dude's got OSU cut out in his head and has uh, has his hair painted orange. You know, this is this is where I kind of understood the fanhood in the early two thousands, and you know now being able to say, hey, it might maybe I can go uh, go check out Arkansas and uh, OSU next year. That's going to be a really cool game. Uh, but you think about being able to preserve rivalries, what that's going to look like. I think Missouri is going to be uh, Arkansas's permanent permanent rival the, yeah. the rest of the time. I had no issue with that. I don't mind playing Missouri every year. Uh, I know that we all keep denying that. Missouri's an actual rival. I think we can kind of put that to rest because you you gotta kind of gotta start beating them. And I think we I think we regurgitate that almost in every episode where we have to say, you know, you know, Missouri's not a rival, but they kind of are. If you, if you, you hate them as much as they hate yes. you, it's a rivalry. I don't care what yeah. the you and look Missouri at the Auburn Alabama rivalry. Us. You look at the Clemson South yeah. Carolina rivalry. It's it's you know one sided on either way, but they hate each other. Just yeah. as much as the other team does, and that's what it was. I mean, I think it's one of them where you, you, you know, you you force two people to like each other, and they're trying to fight it and fight it. It's the other way yeah. around. You know, you're trying to tell these two teams to hate each other, like, no, you're not going to make us hate each other. Well, oh, the third string linebacker, I think he sparked it. I mean, you know, when he talked yeah. his trash and in then, 2016, exactly, yeah. and then they backed it up and beat us. Yeah, that 28, 24 it. off yep. of. Off of t- after you were up twenty four to seven in in the third quarter, fourth quarter. Um, another thing that really irks me is having Eli Drinkwitz when he ch- went. Oh my god, it was so cringe the way he does it because Eli does so many things cringeworthy, like it's just terrible. Like oh, I, I can't stand yeah. it. Watching him go across the field uh, to go get the battle line rivalry trophy. With the Missouri, uh, the the battle line, the the actual state border, he ran to the ran to the trophy to go put it on over there on the Arkansas sideline. It was just such a huge show, and I'm thinking, man, Arkansas is such a better program historically. They had all the horses to beat them every single year for the past decade, and I'm just getting sick and tired of being able. to to know that Arkansas has the better teams, but we keep on seeing this whatever you call Eli Drinkwitz. I don't like this garden gnome of a head coach act just he's so cringe. Uh, it, I only I obnoxiously cringe. And I just want to I just want to see Arkansas just put some respect on his like our name and just go out there and just throttle them again and then there's there's no better time than right now because you had the game at home this year like if you if you want to spark this rivalry sam Pittman, kj jefferson rocket sanders all you arkansas guys kids growing up you just run over there to that freaking trophy put the darn border line in that in that thing that represents the arkansas side of things bring it back 
over to the Arkansas sideline and never let them have it back. I'm tired of losing yeah. to Missouri. Like Arkansas needs to go on like this little tirade of seven straight wins, and and that's just what it's going to take. Things be back to normal. That, that's what it's going to take. Arkansas is going to have to reel off two or three in a row to make it to where. All right, yeah. now we can kind of because it's it's exactly what you said. We know Arkansas is the better team, but we can't say nothing because Missouri ends up. Yeah. But it, I was thinking about something as you were saying, running across the field and grabbing the trophy. Now we know how LSU thinks about us. Yes. LSU's been that program, and when Arkansas won that, they ran across the field and grabbed that boot, and it was like, I wonder if that's how LSU sees Arkansas, the way Arkansas sees right. Missouri. You know, LSU's this prestigious program, and Arkansas always finds a way. And then when we're talking with Blake Rafino. You know, and he kind of got a little defensive about it, but I was like, look, you give, I would much rather play LSU the first game than Texas A&M because you play LSU better than you do against Texas A&M. You, you don't have you, that, that big hump and how the game ended last year with the doink field goal. Arkansas has just always fared better. No, I mean, they've beat them as a the number one ranked team in the country. I mean, they've, they've beat them at their best. Yeah. And last year we seen the, team that Arkansas had last year and played them to three points, you know. So, I mean, it's one of the things that we talk about Missouri in this little gnat, and it's like, okay. But we can kind of reverse it and be like, okay, well, that, I guess we're LSU's gnat <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. And you think about it, like, Alabama also has a gnat. You know, they have those big rivals, rivalries with Tennessee and LSU, but A&M's their gnat. Yep. Like it doesn't matter. Like A and M was what five and seven last year, and d- I don't think they ended up beating them, but I think they were pretty daggum close. But I mean, for the better part of the since they've been in the SEC, they have been the been a pest. To well, they Alabama. beat them by a field goal, and I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but Texas A and M beat Alabama. But it was two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. Because yeah. I was trying to think of who – I know Alabama lost to Tennessee last year, but they also – who else did Alabama lose to last year? They LSU. lost to LSU. Okay. Yeah, so it was yeah. the year before that they – and it's crazy how Tennessee beats them on a field goal and Texas A&M beat them on a field goal. But yeah. yeah it, but you remember also that one year Vandy won at Alabama and then they got destroyed 50 to nothing or whatever, you know. <laughs> so, but no, it's going to be – And that doesn't be, happen very often. But, you know – I really, I really think this could be the year. And I keep, I say that almost every single year. And I know people get tired of saying it, but like, and and listening to me say it, but it just seems like this year there's something different. And and I really think that Arkansas has the horses to get it done. And Jake kind of reiterated what I've, my thought process because Arkansas, you know, you had that three-point loss to LSU last year, and this is essentially the same team. And, I mean, their their dude, Harold Perkins, just tore up Arkansas. I mean, let Harold Perkins have his, okay, against Arkansas. If you can play a semi-perfect game uh, in the fourth week of the season down in Baton Rouge, there's no reason Arkansas can't just reel off a couple of wins and get all the confidence in the world going forward. And, and I know that like, I, I know Blake Orfino just, he's just like, he's so pro LSU <laughs> and, and, yeah. and he, and he's, and he, and he plays that part beautifully. And, but you got to think like Arkansas has been that pest over the years that, that has almost certainly ended uh, LSU's hopes uh, for whether it's New York, New Year's six bowl games, BCS bowl games, like Arkansas's knocked them out a couple of times. This could be the year because they have to start out the year with uh, uh, Florida State in Orlando. Uh, my best friend is going to that game. He's a big Florida State supporter. He wants to see Florida State knock them off. Wouldn't it be crazy to see Florida State knock them off and then LSU think they, okay, we're going to go run the run the uh, table and win every other game, and then they're sitting at 2-2 two and two to start the year instead of, Four no. How yeah. would that feel? Like that that's something that could happen. Like Arkansas's not a pushover anymore. And that's the thing that people aren't paying attention to is Sam Pittman has done a fine job. And I wrote an article this past week about it, about him becoming the actual portal king of college football. You look at you look around the country and everybody's bringing on bring, bringing in all these transfers and you know some of them are doing a lot. 
but Sam Pittman actually brings these guys, develops them, and gets them out and, and, and squeezes the most talented he can out of them. And I think this this could be the team that does it because he's bringing in so many uh, talented players, but he's also got enough re- returning talent that this could, if this team meshes, it could be special. I think the biggest thing going for, and and I think I I believe I've compared Arkansas to Michigan State a, a, as a program and, and developing their, their players before. Yeah. But I think the thing that really helps Arkansas out is they're bringing Porter guys in and actually making them better. They're developing mm-hmm. these guys and getting them into the the draft. Look at look at Eric Musselman. He is getting guys come in to the from you know transfer and making them better players. You know. The, the glitz and the glam and the Facebook post and, and, and the commitments and stuff when they're doing this for the second or third time only lasts so long until players are going to be like, okay, I mean, I, it was awesome having this fan base love me the way they do, but what are they really doing for me in the grand scheme of are they getting me to the league? Are they getting me paid? I think Arkansas, if you look at all the – if you want to look at overall – and all the sports and what Arkansas has done with the transfer portal, I think you could put them honestly up there with the top um, of yeah. any team in the country with what they're doing with transfer players because they seem to always have that one or two guys that in whatever sport become standouts. You, you look yeah. at the women's side with the women's basketball team, transfer portal players help build their program, help get you know Arkansas softball. That transfer portal helped tremendously getting them to where they are as a respectable program in the SEC. So, yes, it's kind of helped the women's side more than it has the the men's side when it comes to the transfer, but Arkansas has really benefited a lot from this transfer, and I think that's why you see the top coaches and teams complaining about it because they're like, hey, we can't just run through the SEC anymore. You look at Georgia fans, it is so funny Georgia fans crying about their schedule. Hey, you know what? Good. Finally, about time you played. And I looked this up. It was Georgia. I think Georgia hasn't played LSU and Alabama together combined. They played them three times since 2013. Wow. I mean, tell me how that's fair. And then again, now Georgia's winning the East. I mean, that just shows you. You know, it's and they also get to stay, and they also get to play like Ball State and all these other teams. And luckily for them, they're in state rival. The the team that they get to play every year permanently for a power five conference point sucks. (laughs) I mean, you got to remember for for thirty of those years, just up until recently, Georgia Tech run the triple option. I mean, yeah, that was that was a gimme game, you know. But now you look. I was just while we're talking, I looked up their schedule. Now they start off with Clemson. That's their first game in 2024. Then they, of course, get Georgia Tech, and they get to keep Florida because of the rival. Then they get Auburn, Mississippi State, Tennessee, at Alabama, at Ole Miss, at Texas, and at Kentucky. They have – their away games are at Alabama, at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, and at Texas. It's Crime about river. time they finally get yeah. – I mean, you can – I'll tell you, SEC West schedules have been that way every year – since they've had the since the West has started with LSU yeah. and Alabama being the top, they're talking about top heavy. Well, when you've had Auburn, LSU, or Alabama win the SEC and win national championships, I mean, it, it's just now the past two years Georgia's finally stepped up. But I mean, goodness gracious, they're coming out of the East every year. You know that just yeah. shows you. Yeah, and and you know Arkansas. You look at Arkansas schedules over the past like. I mean, ever since probably 2014, the 2010, I'll I'll give it 2010 because Ole Miss was really the only down team that year. It was Houston Nuts' uh, second, uh, uh, third year at Ole Miss, and they were kind of on the downtrend, but they were still a competitive team. In 2014, Arkansas had to play 11 of their 12 opponents that were ranked. Mm -hmm. 11 of 12 of their opponents were ranked. That includes your non-conference opponents. 2015 uh, was kind of a little bit more of a down year. 2016, you uh, like Brett Bielema had like when his first like 25 games, he had to play 20 ranked opponents. Same way with old Sam. Sam had, I mean, 2020 
He had to play uh, all the SEC West teams plus Florida and Georgia. And then last year he played like, or two years ago, he had to play like eight or nine teams that were ranked. And then last year you had to play eight or nine teams that were ranked. And that's just how it goes. Like when, when you had to play the SEC West and now since, uh, you know, I don't want to hear Georgia's crap because they've yeah. won two back-to-back national championships, uh, mostly because of the week schedule mm-hmm. that they've gotten to play. But yeah, they're great teams. They are a great team, great program. But they have no reason whatsoever to complain about a hard schedule when they played arguably the easiest schedule of any SEC team in the past five years. Yeah, and you know when Clemson was having their heyday, and everybody's like, "Well, they're playing the ACC. You can play. You you can't help what your conference is." But yeah. they were playing a home and home with Alabama. They played a home and home against Auburn. They played a home and home against Texas A&M, and then they still had their rival South Carolina to play. So they were at least going out and playing the SEC teams and was faring, and they played Georgia, which they went 0-2 against Georgia. I think they went 0-2 against Alabama, but until they, of course, won in the national championship. But, you know, they played Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, then they've played LSU, then they played um, Texas A&M. I mean, back-to-back home-and-home. So, Georgia, I mean, they were hanging their hats on a Kentucky team that was 10-2, and and then they just fall off. They'd have that one good year. Yeah, you think about like the Boise State and TCU when they were making yep. their runs as uh, whack teams. Like they were purposely playing two two Power Five teams every year to bolster their resume for when BCS play uh, the BCS games uh, came. Like there there was a reason for that. Like I get tired of hearing the belly aching on schedules. I know that I say a lot about Arkansas and the belly aching, but when you get to when you've been playing an easy schedule for the better half of a decade. Just shut up. Well, listen, like, when you have all the media, J- your Josh Pate, Jake Crane, yeah. you know, all the big guys are saying Greg Sankey finally didn't come off the top rope and give an elbow to Sam Pittman yeah. and his schedule. I mean, when those guys are really noticing how hard Arkansas schedules were and they're like, hey, he finally gave him a break, that just shows you how tough Arkansas schedule and I know yeah. they come out with the toughest schedules every year, but when you look at Arkansas and the the gauntlet they had to go through every year, and they weren't a, a top-tier SEC program. They're having to do this as the middle-of-the-pack SEC West team, playing the hardest East teams, and then on top of that, let's go through the SEC yeah. West. That's when I knew Sam Pittman was for real in 2020 when he didn't complain. He said, I'm just going to take it and let's go. Like, you remember when uh, Mississippi State went down there, the Baton Rouge in 2020 and just throttled LSU. And the very next week, Arkansas just goes down there and shuts down the air raid. Yep. After after they had 630 yards worth of passing. And then that's when I knew Sam Pittman was for real and he wasn't going to let Arkansas lay down. Like, they were trying to do everything they could to kill Arkansas, and they didn't. Yeah. Like they were they knew that Arkansas was about to die in twenty nineteen when they when they ended up firing Chad Morris. They knew Arkansas was about to die. And Sam Pittman wasn't going to about to let him. He wasn't. And and Sam Pittman I will ever, forever be indebted as a hog fan to Sam Pittman just because of the amount of respect he's put on Arkansas's name since he's been head coach. Well, and he loves the program. He loves oh, the yeah. Hogs. He and he genuinely does. But he he you got a guy that you know, when Barry Odom, that was his first call. He needed some help to help build this program. And then yeah. he knew where the program was going. And, look, it's a business. You you can have your friendships all day long, but at the end of the day, you need to know this is a business. His team wasn't performing, and he's like, all right, you know, Kendall Browse is trying to use us to get a better job. We're going to trim the fat and let him go. You know, that's what you have to do. That's when – Enough is enough. And then when Odom left, that's what shocked me because I told you. Yeah. I said I, I could never see him going to leave to go to another school because I thought he was at the end of his career. And, and again, he wanted to go to UNLV and, and go do his own thing. Hey, more power to him. But that just shows you, you know, Sam Pittman hit the ground and he already had his guy. He was already – he had one – he, he was one step ahead. He Enos, and that just shows you. This guy you're talking about, and that, that goes perfectly what you said about the 2020 schedule. He didn't cry about it. He didn't cry about losing both of his coordinators. He already had a game plan to bring somebody in. That right there shows me that he wants to continue to win. He's not going to John L. Smith us and, and run off a check and, and live, off, live off this check and then go retire at Lake Hamilton. Yeah. This guy wants to yeah. prove – 
to himself. I think he wants to prove it to himself just as much as he wants to – the team wants to prove that they can get back to greatness. And I think w- with this new fresh coordinators coming in, the way next year's schedule looks, you've got K.J. and Rocket back and the team coming back this year – we could probably start to see the ball rolling in this program start to come back because you don't have to worry about this SEC West cloud anymore. Yeah, it might get tougher at some years, but when, you, when you're playing a mixed schedule and you're not having to worry about the same old gauntlet of A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama, LSU, Mississippi State, back to back to back to back, you could start to see some teams have hope and not get yep. defeated halfway through the season and then just – you're playing in Missouri just to hopefully get a bowl game. Yeah, but I'm going to leave it on this. Arkansas, and I like what you said about Arkansas being being right there and rebuilding, okay? I think Arkansas is in the midst of a uh, revival of sorts from, you know, the 1998 season till 2011 was the golden years for Arkansas football in the SEC. That, that was a really good 15-year run, okay? Arkansas is in the midst of this. Now, I love what Josh made, and this is what I'm going to end on. I, sound, I know I sound like an old bad preacher right now, <laughs> but I'm going to end on this tonight. Josh Pate said it best, that Arkansas is becoming a destination for, for players that have choices for second chances. Yep. And Arkansas is in that run right now where the, the more they win and the better they recruit, the faster they're going to rise up to the occasion. And I think Arkansas's right now, they're in the midst of if, of if they can go eight eight to nine wins every year and get 10 or 11 every three or four years with the with seniors coming up, I think they're almost there. It, it's going to take some time. Just like oh, when from Danny Ford to Houston, it, 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 you, know, you, you kind of leaped real quick because you, you won nine games in your first year. And then you kind of went down in your second year, and 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 it was kind of like, oh man, that stinks. And then 2000 through 2004, it, you you just knew you were right there, and then you got D Mac, and then you got ended up getting the Ryan Mallets out of the uh, from the transfers, and you got the Jarius Rice, the great Charles Joe Adams. You, you had the program right there, and Bobby Petrino had that program at a spot that he took it from Houston Nut and put it at a spot where you're almost there. Like Arkansas was tasting greatness, uh-huh. they were almost there. You you saw like Houston Nut revived the program and is bringing it close. Arkansas is in the midst of a revival right now with Sam Pittman assembling something greater, assembling a a great foundation and winning enough games to say, okay, there is hope. All this going to take. Maybe it is like Mike Anderson in basketball to go into Eric Musselman. People are seeing, coaches are seeing that Arkansas is just right there. Arkansas is just right there. That If they get the right guy, maybe Sam Pittman is the right guy. Maybe he is the guy that just gets them right there and then somebody else reaps the benefits, reaps the fruit of what Sam Pittman's grown. I, but I think maybe that is Sam Pittman. But I, I have a feeling that Sam Pittman. I don't think – just, just the football gods speaking. I don't think that somebody else is going to come in and reap those benefits because you look at coaches that put in the work. And, and I, yeah, look, I know that I, I talk about Clemson at times, and I don't mean to. I'm not doing it to. But you look at Dabo and how much he loved the program and built it. It took him seven years, but he loved the yeah. program, loved his guys, and he finally got a national championship out of it. I, I don't think right. somebody else is going to come in and take that, that the benefits. From Sam Pittman, I think he's going to benefit because as you were talking, I mean, you got to look. Arkansas's had success in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s. They've had success. I think it's time. I think with this, like you said, revival, something's brewing. And I'm not saying that this year or next year they're going to win a national championship, but I can just feel that the tide shifting, and it's it's that point of the 2022s the 2020s, that Arkansas has that success and they become a successful program two, three years, and they might go on a two, three-year run. And then we have to go to the, you know, the 2030s or whatever. But I feel something happening to where they're going to have success and they're going to become one of the successful programs and the respectable teams in the SEC 
And it's only due time. It's happened every decade yeah. since the 60s, and I think something's changing. The guards are changing, but I think I think something very special is going to be happening within the next couple of years for Arkansas. Absolutely, and Arkansas is not going to stay down for long. They never have. So I think that's all I've got yep. tonight, my buddy. But yeah, uh, if you want to log us off <laughs> yeah. out of here, we'll we'll sign off with we, that. We had our little our, our sermon and and the calling, and and it, it's right. time to go eat lunch. If anybody wants know? to come to the altar, you just let us know right now. Especially all you hog fans that have been doubting Sam Pittman. Yep. You ain't gonna be doubting for long because at a Baptist church, they go they go they go to lunch right at twelve. They they don't stay that's at twelve oh five. It starts getting too late, but. No, as right. for Porter Hayes, Jacob Davis, we're going to be back next week for another edition of the Hog Talk Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Tune in, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, our YouTube channel, everywhere you can see us, we're there. And thank you for being a fan, listener, follower, and we'll catch you next week. Go Hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.